What's going on, guys, and welcome back. Happy October. It's spooky season, and tonight we've got Elsa Bloodstone as the new season pass card to kick off the month. We're going to be breaking her down and all the combos, and is she worth going after? We're also going to be breaking down all of the new October cards in Man-Thing, Black Knight, Nico Minoru, and Werewolf by Night. How they're going to fit into Marvel Snap, their combos, the decks we see them in, and which ones are going to be worth going after. And as tradition calls, we're going to be talking about cards on the rise heading into October and the new season. Which of your old cards are going to get a heck of a lot better? We're going to be talking about all that today and more on this episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Alex Kocha. Alex, happy spooky season. Happy October. How are we doing, man? We had ourselves the Infinity Week, Mobius Week, OTA. What's going on? There's a lot going on, actually, Cozy. It's been a wild week of Marvel Snap. I mean, Mobius has had a tremendous impact on the meta. Can't wait to talk about it on the podcast. And uh, generally speaking, like it has been a completely different experience playing Marvel Snap this past week. And that's what happens when you release a really notable tech card that completely shakes things up. So, I mean, with the new cards coming out, it's a spooky time to be a Marvel Snap player. Yeah, the OTA was nothing crazy, right? We had like a lot of nerfs. We had, what, two buffs that were pretty much like they were just worthless. But we have ourselves the content patch coming out on Tuesday, which is what I think is going to bring a lot of the buffs. The nerfs definitely affected some of the meta in a way in some of the decks and, and how they were played. And Infinity Conquest, I kind of saw like it's, it's a lot of high Evo out there right now. Obviously, Loki has its presence. And then there's like droplets of other little archetypes if you will and i think this season is going to kind of highlight those archetypes and not the ones that are already doing good absolutely and i think that's one of the cool things that they've been doing really well with snap is like the months seem to be targeting specific types of archetypes and giving key pieces to uh archetypes that needed some love right and we've talked about that in the past where you know like for instance ghost spider was essential for move even potentially being relevant right we had like seasons where you have like Phoenix Force would try to bring new archetypes up, but then it just nothing really happens. It kind of just fizzles, right? But I do think that Seconder is doing a good job of introducing key cards to key archetypes to make the game exciting. Because I mean, hey, listen, some cards have maybe come in a little too hot, but <laughs> but at times it has been exciting. Yeah, I mean, let's start with news of the week, right? Because we're going to jump into the subjects. But number one, if you don't know by now, new releases are finally not happening, which I don't know why this took so long. I think it, it took longer than it should have. But new releases will, will now be kind of midday instead of at what is my time, 8 p.m. Uh, California time. It's coming out noon California. So they're rolling it, what, back eight hours? Or would it be forward eight hours or whatever? All I know is that it's not 11 p.m. my time, which is what it was when I was like streaming and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, I'm going to bed at 4.30 a.m. today. Like, it's like, you know, but I like to change. But I think the key thing here is that now they have staff ready and available yeah. when like, say, a kitty pride problem happens or there's a bug and they need to be reactive because there's times where like, hey, it's a live service game, right? Yeah. Game dev is hard. There's going to be times where they need those people in shop to like fix a problem on release. And when it was 11 p.m. at night, like the... I mean, people got to sleep too, right? So I think that this is really good from the live service component of the game. So I think it's a great change. Yeah, so this season is going to be the typical time. It's going to be coming out when you guys watch this about 14 hours-ish from when this is launched. However, I think it'll be biggest for the next season pass. Like having season start it, like in the daytime is really cool, number one. But number two, I think the data on new cards are going to get even more accurate. So like me and you testing till 4 a.m. some of these cards that are coming out. Like the pool of players we're going up against and or like just the regular snap data is not really like 
efficient. I don't know. It's it's going to be a lot better, I think, overall. But dude, we've got ourselves the lengthy podcast of breaking down the October season. Are you a, are you an October guy? Like, do you like spooky I, I like season? October. I yep. like fall. I think we've talked about me liking leaves before. Well, the I leaves. Come up before. Do you like like the man thing in the middle here? Do you like uh, like? Are you a scary movie guy? No, I'm not a scary movie guy. Not at all. I'm definitely like a Disney. Like I, I literally watch Disney movies with my kids. Like one of my favorites, Moana. I watch that very often. That's the kind of movie I like. There's this one scene where like there's this like it's almost like the water kind of splits and this turtle goes across. Anybody in the comment section knows it's like so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful scenes in all of movies. H- have and you I, seen, I, just, I could watch that over and over again. Have you seen uh, Pixar's The Exorcist before? You can check it out. It's by Pixar. Yeah. By Pixar, the Pixar Exorcist. I mean, I've heard of the Exorcist. Is that when, like, when Mickey Mouse is hanging against the ceiling and being like scraped yeah, across the ceiling? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and just go, just type in the Exorcist and just watch it. I, I swear it's by Pixar. You're gonna love it. This season, I feel like it's gonna have a lot of cards and characters that like people don't know. And so, you know, we're gonna be breaking all of those down here on this side today. But what are we talking about on your side of the channel and the Snapchat? One of my favorite topics is going to be our discussion about our final rankings for September cards. I mean, we try to be predictive with how we think those cards are going to shake up in the meta. And now we get to look back and see just how right and wrong we were. We're also be talking about the uh, October spotlight caches, which I think is a very important conversation because if you want to be utilizing your resources effectively, you're going to want to make sure you listen in on what your best caches are going to be. And then finally, we're going to talk about series drops, a wish list and discussion. Yeah, that's going to be a little a little irksome for some. But yeah, we're going to be discussing series drops, where they are, where we hope they'll be, and perhaps what might just drop if it happens. Let's go to break down the card coming out tonight, the new season pass card in Elsa. And believe it or not, I think there's way more to break down than I first kind of thought. Elsa is a very cool card. She's got a lot of interactions, and I think she's going to be pretty important in Snap. So we're going to rate her and her usefulness in Snap combos, cards, things like that, and just break her down all together. Now, if you don't know what she does, guys, she's a 2-2, and she's going to have the ability. It's not ongoing, but they had that in the trailer. If you play another card to fill a location, you're going to give it plus three power, Alex. Initial impressions. The way that I looked at this when I first saw this card, I was like, hmm, we know Glenn's at the helm, okay? We know that season pass cards try to be innovative. Like even if you think about Nimrod coming in a little weak and Phoenix Force, which you've somehow already brought up twice now, like those are at least innovative cards. Elsa is exactly that. And I think that this card is probably going to be stronger than maybe first impressions might give it. And I think it's also really interesting that it's not the card itself that gets massive. It's not Dakin that's like, look at me get jacked, right? It's Elsa spreading the love. Like a good old quarterback. And let's say Tom Brady just spreading the love to different receivers for those touchdown passes. That's exactly what Elsa's going to be doing. Spreading the love. Dude, yeah, she's going to be in contention with Arrow over there as a card I love too. Elsa's just a cool character altogether. So, yeah, she kind of reminds me of like Nebula season pass card. Like, I think that she's not going to be like transcendent as far as like... Hey, it's, she's a cool balance. She's different than what we've seen before. And I think she's going to be really good. So we're going to break down kind of the cards that we see fitting with her. And I want to start, first of all, with that ability. Now, this is important to know. It's going to be very late in its activation. Uh, essentially, I think he described it kind of like Hawkeye. So great example to kick us off, just so we know, Alex, what we're talking about here and the viewers and the listeners know, is essentially if you play Shuri down, right? And then you fill that, with a vision, 
the vision is not going to get Elsa's bonus and then get doubled. It's going to double, then get Elsa's bonus. So like that's important context, I think, for the how she's going to work. She needs to be active, so she needs to be on the board to see it, and she could be played same turn. So those are the little interactions that matter, obviously, a ton. Like, for instance, just to start, like, Lady Deathstrike, I don't think is going to work here where you would give her that power, and then she destroys everything. I'm pretty sure it, it'll be coming after the fact. So that's something to know before we head into card synergy. Alex, we've got a lot of decks right now. I would say a good chunk of them that like to fake fill paths and locations and there's kind of a couple areas where i see her being really useful but to start out man listen a 2-5 even though she's not a 2-5 but theoretically she's putting out 2-5 value yeah i mean we we praise those all day and the fact that that can get the 2-8 2-11 and then some there's no doubt about it else it's going to be a good card my man counting by threes yeah it's going to be powerful right and it's like one of those situations where i like the idea that Elsa itself, you're going to see it on the board turn two, and you're like, that card's going to be a problem for me. But it's not that card. It's every other card that comes after. And so, like, does it dodge Shang-Chi effectively? Because what are you going to be buffing that's going to go above nine power, right? So, like, you're going to be able to do this, like, new zoo-style, like, power fluctuation where, like, Shang-Chi's not going to be able to do much. Obviously, there's going to be room for Shadow King, which is notable in, as a two-drop now. But I like Elsa Bloodstone. I think we need to start with the most obvious synergy that I think people are really going to target. We talk about Kitty Pride, and she probably took a stray bullet because of Elsa Bloodstone coming oh, out. So definitely. I think we have to start the discussion here. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I feel like Secondary needs to release information before they release the information. Like, there, there was no reason why the Kitty nerf should have happened without the maybe the trailer coming out so that people knew, oh, that is why Kitty Pride went down to PowerPoints. Yeah, so this is the obvious one for sure. I think this is the one that people are going, going to look to. We already have, like, competitive or was competitive, kind of the Shuri Kitty Pry Taskmaster decks. I think that's going to be kind of back in action again. Plus three on Kitty Pry that can just keep on filling the lane. That's good, man. It's really good. It's really, really good. It's, it's super good. It's You got to nerf this preemptively good. Naturally, of course, it's going to depend on draw. But Kitty Pride benefits so many other cards, right? Like, if you have Angela sitting underneath, like, you're not only getting the plus three on Kitty Pride, you're getting the plus two on Angela. So you got that, like, boom, boom, boom. There is so much being generated here, right? But it does take Kitty Pride out of a lot of other decks, right? But naturally, and here's the thing, though. Kitty Pride was released to pretty much everyone that was playing actively at the time. Yep. So this is going to be an immediate synergy between the Season Pass card and a card that's, although Series 5, going to be in most people's hands. So I think a lot of people are going to be able to participate in this meta. And I think the meta share is going to be really crazy, which kind of makes me nervous about like what Twitter is going to look like when Elsa Bloodstone comes out. But Kitty Pride is definitely a winner here because, I mean, the synergy is unmistakable. What does Kitty Pride do best? Well, she's a fake lane filler, right? So that's essentially the cards that are going to be good with Elsa out the bat are ones that are filling the lane, but they're not, right? You have more ways to abuse the mechanic. It is tough at times to fill all the lanes. Not every deck wants Elsa, but I would say a good majority are going to want to benefit. And these Kitty Pride decks, we already know how to take the most advantage of them as well. So we're going to continue to be able to do that. Now, what's scary is you talked about the cards that go along with like, like the Angela is a great example. But more so than that, even in the Shuri deck, you've got the little packages that we discovered as a community recently, right? So first of all, obviously, to a lot of y'all's mind, are going to be the ones that can fake fill lanes. So Nightcrawler, 
a great example here, right? Jeff, another good example. Silk. These are cards that have been in that little movement package that are fantastic. And this is truly now a package that's going to be ran across the board because now you're getting Craven Synergy. You're getting 2-5 value in Silk. You're getting Angela. You're getting Elsa. There's a lot coming together. And even, dude, having a 1-5 Nightcrawler, a 2-6 Jeff, just a 2-6 Jeff is, is, is something. I got to tell you. And now keep in mind, guys, they have to be played into the lane. So Alex, you can't move a card like Nightcrawler into a lane to fill it and he gets a bonus. It has to be played in there, right? Like Ultron is not going to work. Dr. Doom, unless you play the Doom on the filling location, but the, the bots won't get it. So that's important to know. But don't you think these little moving cards, right? Vision, Vision. I mean, getting that cap off, it's going to be big. Yeah, well, Vision's huge. Cap Marvel's huge too, because that extra plus three does a lot for something like Cap Marvel. But like, even like small things like Ghost Spider, because I mean, it's like, oh, Alex, Ghost Spider doesn't really. Well, if you fill a location, right, Ghost Spider can pull the card out and then you can play into it again, right? So if you're not playing the Kitty Pride style package and you're just trying to get a little value, or even if you are playing Kitty Pride, didn't draw it, you know, you could, you could create additional space with something like a Ghost Spider. But the ones that I've been really thinking about, Cozy, and call me crazy. I've been playing a little bit of like, you know, Jana, right? Card, cards that like fill the lane and like those cards are played. Are they not? They are because they, they proc their on reveal effects. So those cards are played. So would they not benefit from the Elsa effect if you fill the locations with Shauna? Yeah, Shauna Shauna's one of those weird ones, the cards, and it's always uh, mind-boggling. No one plays her either, so it's yeah, like no yeah, one's right, quite the sure. The info either. is bleak on her. What does she even do to three? What? what, what three, what two. Is three, two. Dude, I, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry, I, I took you off guard there. No, you're good. On reveal, add a random card. That's the thing. Saying add is what my problem is because Squirrel Girl is not going to work. I know that for certain, right? So it's like, and I forgot they made her at one, too. And she's add. So I don't think they'll add. I think she just gets the benefit of on reveal. We'll have to see. However, that Mysterio does. Mysterio should. Mysterio will because he's he's actually playing. But he doesn't he say add an illusion? So maybe I'm just as you play play. No, so it does play say illusions. Play. Okay, so the language bit. is kind of important here. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Such as Marvel Snap all the time. I feel like these intricacies. But what I will say with Shauna, at least in, in, in some of that, is this finally a card that will make, you know, never mind just like, oh, moving cards out of the way and, and, and whatnot, but just getting the pure plus three bonus. Is this finally going to be this card that makes Dazzler and or Zoo kind of like get that little bit over the top? It's possible. It's possible. Like, I mean, Dazzler, I think is better than people give it credit for. There was a while people were experimenting with like Dazzler Blaze Surfer lists. I think that's Dazzler Zoo with the Killmonger is not as pre prevalent as it used to be. And so you can get away with Zoo lists right now. I think Mysterio is one of the key winners here. I like that you brought it up because Mysterio is going like, if you, if you bast Mysterio, <laughs> like, and then it gets the plus three across the board. Like that is, that's better than Dr. Do Dr. Friggin. Like, it's, yeah, it's right. cracked. It's insane. Yeah, dude. No, that's a great point. There's definitely new deck design and we're going to see it like we do all the time in a new season. It's the same old decks and they get a little bit better with Elsa. And then like a couple, then you start getting the creativity hats on, right? And that's when you start to see the decks that we just alluded to. These kind of different, easy to fill lanes and, and, and Mysterio in general is just easy. It's easy to get that out across the board. A couple more cards that are kind of like, wasn't maybe thinking about that all the way. And I kind of really like this one, dude. I love Hulkbuster in this scenario. So Hulkbuster is another fake fill. And one of the more fun ones at that, dude, because if you have the 
like a Jeff or whatever down or any card for that matter. And then you fake fill it. I, I think the Hulkbuster, it depends on the activation, but regardless, either the Hulkbuster or the card he attaches to would get three more power, dude. That's insane. This is the intricacies of this game, right? Like you really need to get this card in your hand and test all this stuff, right? Yep. I like this call. I actually had not considered Hulkbuster. It's cool. When you started scrolling to 3-5, I thought you were going to talk about a card I want to talk about too. But Hulkbuster was a good call. Hulkbuster is kind of relevant again, eh? Especially with these, these Kitty Pride decks. And I yep. think people are getting accustomed to like, oh wait, I can play Hulk Hulkbuster with Kitty Pride and then like benefit from that in a very significant way. So even the nerf Kitty Pride, Hulkbuster... Bloodstone, all these things are going to add up to a very strong one drop in Kitty Pride. Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. And and again, it's like Hulkbuster has synergy with other cards so well, but then he also can just, he's just, yeah, three fives good stats, right? So I'm sure you were going to mention this ladder right here. Absolutely. What an absolute chat this is going to be. A Spider Man being able to basically just pop in the location, get the buff, then just jump right out to create space for the next card. I, this was the one I re meant to, went to right away because like I'm like, man, this card is going to be so good. It's already good. Yeah, I love it. It's them. already a great card. And like, I kind of feel like it's eaten Polaris's lunch a little bit. I just like his ability so much more. It's so yeah. much more useful. It is. It's super useful. And we've talked about it in the past, even in ways you might not expect, like when you're storming a location and you don't have your jug and you have Spider-Man and they play a card and you pull it out anyway and still trade the location, right? I, I love I love the synergy with Elsa though, because it's like you're getting it and your opponent is being disrupted still. And they don't like you're messing up their play. You're pulling their Angela out of the lane. You're pulling their whatever out of the lane armor out of the lane so you could Shang-Chi something later. Like I'm often finding incredible uses for Spider-Man to kind of just mess up the board state of the opponent because everyone plays cards in a very specific way. Oh, you're playing Nebula there because you think I can't play there very often. Well, let's move Nebula over here where I can play on you all game long, right? Spider-Man, I think has been a very silent high performer and it works perfectly with Elsa Bloodstone. Yeah. So, you know, looking at Elsa, Alex, I would say the reason she's just a banger of a season pass card is that we have a lot of season passes aimed to make one archetype better, or it's kind of archetype. The season is around an archetype. You would look at Loki and you're like, oh, he's pretty plug and playable, but no, he kind of made his own archetype, right? So like, yeah, he was accessible to a lot of people that want that play style. Elsa's benefit is that she is going to work across most of the decks that you already enjoy playing as a player, right? Like if you like talks, whatever it is, She's going to give use to said deck in some capacity, right? This is a great example of that. Now, these are the cards that move out of the way. These are the faux lane fillers, if you will. Here's some other cards that I thought, hmm, I like the synergy. Uh, first of all, and probably most like, hmm, it's a tight, tight deck, but I think it can work. Let's talk destroy. Now, this is obviously a archetype that can fill a lane and it doesn't matter, right? No big deal. No skin off their nose. Deadpool is one that I like as playing him as the last in a lane, killmongering him, and then you double up that three power pretty easily. Imagine playing Forge into that, right? So you have a couple turns just really cooking, and you have a Deadpool now with easy plus three power that you can continue to abuse. Kind of exciting there. Another great example is what, obviously, Carnage or Venom. They destroy the lane, and then they build up. The Bucky Barnes play just got better somehow. Kind of cool with Destroy. It is. It is really interesting with Destroy, specifically with the uh, the Venom. I, I like the call on Venom there because anytime Venom's getting additional value, like that generates value for Null. It generates value for Zola. It generates, like Null, sorry, Venom is just such a great card. And you're right, you often stack like that lane with three 
three cards ready to pop, right? And X-23 is ever-present. It's bouncing around all the time. It's never off the board. Yeah, I like the call with Destroy Cozy. I think you're you're thinking here. My biggest, like, you're thinking too much, but you're thinking, this is this is by far, here it is. This is my stretch of the season. Negasonic, Negasonic. Okay, this is a already. This is we're stretch, already yeah, we're already, we're, we're, we're in the tin, tin foil hat. Negasonic, and then you fill the location with Nimrod. What do you I think? I like it. Isn't that kind of cheeky? That's pretty spicy. <laughs> kind of spicy, dude. So you, but are you we sure them. that it won't blow up before it gets plus three? Dude, that's why we got to test it. Probably. <laughs> it probably will blow up uh, before it get, and then nothing gets the plus three. And that's actually a terrible play. But that's why I that's why I come to the Snapchat with these hot takes that I know are probably garbage. But I like thinking of every possible, possible thing. So, dude, are you kidding me? That's a great, like what you just came up with is brilliant. I love that. I would never have thought Negasonic into Nimrod trying to get the play. Like, that's awesome. I love that. Even if it doesn't work because the, the code won't allow it. It's a brilliant idea. Cozy pat on the back. Well, let me hit you with one more. Then this is my last, like, okay, hold on. This is a card I really like as well in a deck archetype that it doesn't really work. I, I like it's it's fun when it happens, but like you can't take it into Infinity Conquest because it's not consistent enough. I know that I think it was like June. You had a big Invisible Woman kick, right? Like you were playing her a ton, a lot of decks. If you guys haven't already, really cool interaction is Invisible Woman followed by, and I've done this so many times now, uh, by Taskmaster. This is a really cool interaction because essentially the last card you played on turn six, Taskmaster is going to copy. What I think is interesting or cool is if we go to five, six power, we sort by power, we go from top to bottom. Now you've got some cool cards. Obviously, can't look at all of them. But I like the idea of even just the extra sizzle, right? On some of these big cards, you can't do it on Orca. I, like, I get it on the lanes you can't do it on. But the fact of just getting a 15 Magneto in one lane and a 15 into the Taskmaster in the other lane, it, to me, the Taskmaster synergy, it's there. It does exist, and I'm excited about it. It is. And also, like, conversely, if someone's playing Magneto against you or you play, you're playing against someone who has also Bloodstone and you pull four uh, units into a location, they won't get buffed because they've not been played there. Right. Mm So it's this card mechanically, I think, is really complex. And like, I want to see it play out. I want to see this because I I do think it's going to be strong. Like, I think this is going to be a good card. Like your early impressions, right? I know we like to do the star thing. What what are your early impressions star wise? On yeah, awesome we, we got to do it with each card, right? So the fact that she's going to work even with like space throne and things like that, like they've already figured that out, which I love. I honestly, man, I might be a little high on this, but I'm thinking definitely four star. I feel solid about a four star card. She's not the winner in the deck, but she enables other decks in general. If four to four point five, I'm gonna go four, but I think four point five is not off the table as far as just like a two drop with its value. I don't know why that's not there to your Shang Chi point to the synergy point. I was gonna say four. I lean towards four. I can see this being a pretty impactful card, and in particular for like these mid range style decks, where like you're kind of you're generating a lot of value with these smaller pieces that are highly mobile. Right? It's not just about the oh I'm gonna skip into uh, Cyclops blast and smash a Hulk down. That's a 20. Like that's, that's not just what this gameplay is. Yeah. It's just like attrition based. I'm slowly going to chip away three extra power, three extra power, three extra power. And I think that's really neat and not being able to Shang, uh, Shang-Chi them, I think is key too. So there's so many more synergies. Like again, we're once we get the card in our hand, 
we're gonna we're gonna figure out some inventive stuff. I, my first deck is gonna have Mysterio in it. I feel like Mysterio is a huge, huge winner here, and I can't wait to see those Bast Mysterios just jump to the sky because it's gonna be huge. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna be bounce, move, destroy. Those are the ones that I think are gonna be the initial like winners. Then I want to put my testing stuff on like, I don't know, Black Panther. It's not going to work, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, I want to test these things that want the power, you know, those kind of decks as well. But regardless, I think it's got itself uh, the Ghost Spider point that you just had. As a two drop, I love it. I love cars that buff other cars and they're not just like good value. Like a lizard's cool, but, uh, you know, that's why Forge is a fun card or, or, or whatnot. I have something to say and I, I almost don't want to bring it up. Say it. I almost don't want to bring it up. Elsa Bloodstone, two drop. We've always had meta defining two drops, Zabu being one of them, where you want it out on two. Is this a Chavez in every deck situation? No, that's and I don't want to bring it up, but I after our kind of heated conversation last week, I got to think I was like, maybe Cozy's right. Maybe I'm I'm the unreasonable one here. So I'm bringing this up on my own volition. I know I'm setting myself up here, but is this a situation where it is demonstratedly obvious that perhaps Chavez has to be in every single deck, and that's a problem? So. For me, at least, two drops are interesting because typically they can be played on like five or four, whatever, you know what I mean? Like they can complement it. And because what you're doing is a late game play on some of the decks, I think it's fine. But on the on the ones that we've alluded to with the Jeff and the Nightcrawler and you want to get those bonuses as quick as possible and it's mid-range, yes, Chavez. And I want to say the comment section was like, I can't believe you hate. And then I did another deck a couple days later that had Chavez and people were even more limited. I... Like Chavez, I think it's just a good card. My, I guess my point was that this is exactly why, right? Like this is exactly why Chavez would be interesting not here anymore because this is this is a very good point to bring up, Alex. I like that you brought that up because do you just want it Elsa on two? I think it depends on the deck, yeah. Yeah, but I like you. I don't think you'll ever be upset with Elsa on two. I don't think it's Zabu though. Zabu, if like not getting Zabu on two feels awful, right? I still think that what you said is correct. If you have like Elsa and you play the Elsa on four. You can still vision on five. You can still do things, right? There are still things you can do. And actually, you do want it early, right? Yeah. But it's just, it kind of propped into my mind. I was like, is this going to be a situation where I realize just how wrong I am? Well, listen, man, I loved it. I love the the conversation. It's important to bring up every point, right? And either way, I think Elsa, we can both say, is probably pretty, pretty damn good. All season pass cards are pretty good, but I like the flexibility, the plug and play ability. And she's, she's going to bring some new enjoyment to, I think, a metagame that needs it. Absolutely. The metagame, I think a lot of people have been a little upset with lately. And I think that Elsa is going to bring another tool that has a completely different play style, right? It's kind of like, I was just going to say Phoenix Force again. We can, This is a record now. But Phoenix Force brought a whole new archetype to the table, a whole new play style. And I think that was refreshing, even if the deck was terrible, right? Even if it sucked, it was refreshing to play something new. And Loki did that too. Let's not forget, Loki was a very refreshing new way to play. It was just too good, and everyone played it, and the counter in Mobius was four weeks away, right? So for Elsa Bloodstone, I think it is a new approach to Marvel Snap, and it, it gives a little love to move too, which is nice. And I think, you t I think you mentioned it last week that move needed some indirect love, and here we are. Yeah, so it's like, I think this is the final point on here for me, is that Jeff is one of the most played cards in Snap, if not like top five most played. Nightcrawler's getting played a lot more. Angela's played these cards. This movement package is what I opened up with is already played. And so the reason why she's going to be so in the meta is that like a 2-6 Jeff over your 2-3 Jeff wins every time. And a 2-6 Jeff is actually scary. I'm like, what are we going to see with that, right? Obviously combined with Kitty and stuff. She's a get card because of that. 
I think the movement package, already really, really good, is going to be even better. That's why I have her as just great. She works with good cards already, right? Spider-Man, we just talked about it. So definitely, guys, look out for Elsa Drops later tonight. Our next card, Alex, is in between us here. And I know your Disney-loving ass doesn't like scary, but Man-Thing is actually a hero, it's complex, but he is definitely one of the more fearsome-looking snap cards that we've had and will be our first new one. I think he's Series 4, and I think he's the yes. only Series 4 of the month, which, dude, I'm all about. I just did a toxic guide. Fell in love with the archetype again. Remembered why I loved it. You're playing with fire with toxic, but it can compete with just about anything out there. Guys, if you don't know and if you want to know what he does, Man-Thing is a 4-5 that he has an ongoing effect of 1, 2, and 3 cards. It costs cards have negative 2 power. That's both on your side and on the opponent's. Alex, first impressions of Man-Thing. My first impressions is I like this card. And I don't... How do I say this? I don't know if it's going to be as meta-relevant as I want it to be, but I do like it. I see myself playing this card. I like it a lot. I'm going to be slotting into many decks. It naturally is the problem with it, the problem with it, which drops it down for like, for me, I'm like, I lean towards like it being a higher start card, but what brings it back down is the prevalence of high Evo. High Evo brings with it Luke Cage and Luke Cage obviously is going to have a very neg negative impact on this card, but you're going to be playing Luke Cage yourself, but then you really just want a four or five stat line. However, you, my friend, just released an absolutely fantastic toxic base deck. This card loves that loves it it loves debris it loves the goblins it loves all that stuff it loves viper it loves hood being kicked over it benefits from everything and if someone does not have luke cage it's snap and gg like yep. it's just over this thing is a lot of power especially with your capabilities of putting things on the other side so i like it i think it's better than i think it's getting credit for but i do see its downside depending on what the meta situation is when it comes out I mean, a 413 is hilarious, right? Like, that's just obviously like the most busted stat lines. The thing is, is like you have toxic decks and then you've got like these like negative pushing decks and you have, you know, disrupt decks. They all have different names. After playing the archetype a ton through Infinity Conquest, really learning the ins and outs of why you want to play it and what it does well. A couple things I see working with Synergy. First of all, Luke Cage exists. Absolutely, guys. You're going to have to have one on your side, but also with these negative style decks, you want to run your own Luke Cage, and then you run your Lizard. Well, if you're running Lizard, you can run Enchantress to kill your own Lizard, and now you have a way to then go against their own Luke Cage, and that's like a massive turn six play, I would assume. If you play an Enchantress to, to, to kill what they thought was a protected Man-Thing lane, and all of a sudden you have a flip of eight power in that lane... That's a winnable lane, right? That, that's absolutely massive. And even getting like a mystique to copy this is kind of silly. Like there's some kind of weird uh, things and you do have to be reliant on your Luke Cage. But this punishes, punishes cards out there right now, Alex. And we're going to talk about the, the decks that, or really the, the deck, but the main things that I see working with them. But can we just first talk about a card that has been meta relevant now uh, since, I would say, since December, this has been a very good card that this is, I believe, designed to just completely newt down and target. And that, my friend, is going to be Brood. I think Brood's going to have a tough time moving forward with Man-Thing. He just obliterates this card, man, and cards he, like this. He does. He completely destroys it. And the thing about it is Brood comes out on three, 
right? Man thing comes out on four and completely just dismantles it. And it's what exactly Brood needed. Like this is, didn't we just talk about Brood being the 10th best cube gaining card in Marvel Snap? Yeah. That was a surprise to me. But then when you said, I'm like, of course it's Brew. Yeah. Brood. <laughs> of course it's Brood, right? <laughs> brew. That's right. I could use a Brew right now. Yeah, wake up right. a little bit. But, but yeah, Brood has always been a tremendously powerful card. It's with Surfer, with Iron Lad, with everything else. I like the call. The thing that concerns me is that there's a couple things about Man-Thing that are kind of tricky. Okay. It's one of the few ongoing cards where you can't naturally counter it with Rogue, for instance. So Rogue's not really an answer because if you don't have Luke Cage, like, well, what the hell are you even doing, right? Like you're basically just flipping the effect and just still debuffing yourself anyways. So I think that Enchantress is going to be the answer. However, however, smart players will quickly identify that you're not going to put your Luke Cage into the location with Man-Thing, right? Because... If you do, no, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I'm the opposite way. You want to put your Luke Cage countering into the same location as the man thing, because if they play the Enchantress, they knock both effects off. Yeah. So now Luke Cage and Enchantress have this interesting dance where it's like, okay, if I want to turn off their Luke Cage, I'm also going to turn off my man thing. I think the tech side of this card is where the, the drawdown comes. I think it's way more counterable than others, but at the same time, like you talked about before, like a 413 or whatever, like that is a disgusting stat line. A 413 and like the card I compare him to the most by far and one that honestly, dude, I fell back in love with so hard, man. I loved her again. Spider-Woman is so good. I admit it. We talked about her as the most slept card like, I don't know, months ago. And I'm still, I still think she's there. She's under Shang-Chi zone. She can be with the 12 power swing is insane because she has a negative four potential and then she can't be Shang-Chi, which I just said before. Man-Thing is the same thing to me, right? It's this card that pushes out way more than it's worth, but you don't have to fear where it goes. And I honestly think once you have Man-Thing into this toxic deck, the one that I just put out, it's not missing a lot of pieces. You have to be aggressive with that deck, and that's why it loses, right? And, and like anytime you're giving fire to the player base, like the win rate's gonna be bad. Like you've gotta know that. I honestly say ignore the stats on this one, to be honest. Like it's just not that important. You have to do green goblins early. You gotta try to guess some things. It's kind of cool though, because once you start to compound all this stuff, right? Like a car that worked with the the toxic package that I that I was falling in love with, especially played behind Nebula, was was Mojo. Right? Nebula enforces him to fill it. I think Mojo's a really cool counter we didn't talk about to Elsa Bloodstone because you know they want to flood this stuff out. This is going to continue to work itself into the meta. I think Toxic will have its best month yet under Man-Thing. Oh, I agree. And uh, then the next month, you get another card, which we'll talk about on another podcast, which might even be crazier for, mm. for Toxic and Disruption and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I don't even know how to say it. I think it's a Nihilus. Is it a Nihilus? Is that yeah. how you say it? I'm not sure. We yeah. know what card we're talking about. You know, I think we always look at these cards and we're like, well, Luke Cage, it's like, dude, people are still already not playing Mobius and it's like an obvious card that you should be playing. People roll the dice. They like to not put the tech cards because tech card isn't interesting, right? Like it, it's this, you see this in a lot of card games like, uh, like Pokemon. They don't do, people don't put training cards all the time because they're not Pokemon. Like I get it, but I do think Luke Cage, he'll have a, a swing, man week, man week, man thing week. Uh, that sounds fantastic. Demonetized. When man thing comes out, you can see a lot of Luke Cage. Then it's going to dip in play rate and it's going to continue to be 
kind of where it is now, the toxic archetype, but better. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because I feel like every single time a new card comes out, it's better like two weeks after it comes out when people like fall off of the counter a little bit. Honestly, for me, like my notes here says like it it, it hampers Ultron play. I mean, Ultron can't really do its thing as effectively, right? So I think Patriot low-key gets hit here because Patriot has a zoo effect, right? We often forget about Patriot being like a zoo-based deck. Yeah. You have Sinisters, you have Broods, you have Ultrons. And so like Man-Thing says like, no, like all that sucks now. And, and, and that deck is not going to run Enchantress. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of deck that gets too tight. It won't run the tech that we're talking about. Yeah. I could squeeze Luke Cajun. It could squeeze it in. Yeah, dude, and, and the fact of, like, the Hood got himself a little bit of a nerf in an OTA, and we're like, oh my god, and, and it did kill his play rate a lot, which I think it should have. I actually like Hood as a toxic card more than a catch-all card. I think it's a good placement for him. But the fact that he's a mini Green Goblin, right, you send that over with Viper, which feels fantastic, you're essentially sending over a negative five card with Man-Thing on the board, and you can play... So the way you play Viper, right, is if you have Sentry in your hand, you can hold on to that. But if you have Hood and you have Viper, you might as well just do the one, two and get the huge swing play. Having Man-Thing followed by that is so much negative power. And this can also go in the same lane that Green Goblin's going to be in. That is a lost lane. That There is no coming back from that lane once you popped a Hood and a Green Goblin and Man-Thing. It's over for that lane. Even if they do a Luke Cage, who cares, man? They still got the negative card. So... The, the, you know, I keep going down the toxic archetype, but debris, right? These these cards that are going to, they've been good, but they're going to continue to get better with something that can capitalize, right? Instead of just a hazmat on these rocks and we have a toxic rain. It's like, no, now you have another way to follow up, you know, this toxic archetype, which it's desperately needed. It has desperately needed it. Because like, I feel like toxic has been always this like, I'm going to play Hazmat Wong and Absorbing Man and all the other cards don't matter. And it's just this turn six crazy miracle. But no, like it's always been this like 40% win rate, high roll. I'm going to make a YouTube short style deck, right? Yeah. And then I think Man-Thing does give it a legit, like leg some legitimacy. Yep. So uh, I'm actually really excited about this card. Stars, yeah, star yeah, estimates. Yeah. What are you feeling? So after all this talk, right? After all this talk, I'm going to say a three star still for now. I'm going to give it a three star rating just... Because it does have that direct counter, probably 3.5 though, honestly 3.5, I'm settling on that. I've leaned towards three as well. The reason for this is because obviously it, it has this initiative dance as well, it's something we didn't touch on, like initiative, obviously you're, you're going to be getting initiative very commonly when playing Man-Thing, that might not always be what you want depending on what's going on, right? Like a toxic deck with Hazmat does not want initiative because you want to hit everything as they play it, right? So that's a bit of a factor worth considering. I lean towards three. In my heart, this card speaks to me as a four, like in terms of what yeah, I'm interested in. For sure. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think it's that strong. I think the counterplay is too obvious and is too meta relevant that this is going to be three, possibly even towards two, as long as high Evo is like a, like a large sustaining chunk of the meta. But just even having the, the fact of you, the negative pushing lanes can get so bad where you can have a life in the deck, which is working in toxic and you're ahead by way more on your lane. You're winning because it's so much negative power and then you just ally the lane, a lane to win, right? Like that does exist, I think, in this world of man thing. He's a tough one to place. I do value-wise, series four, I think he's great. I think he's fantastic yeah. for that. But then he's our only series four drop for this one. So yep, that's gonna be our ranking on him. Next up, and this is a big season. We got a lot of we got we got a lot of cards coming out, Alex. It's a five-week season, this one, isn't it? Yeah, because I think the last one comes out like on Halloween, which thematically is fantastic. 
This next one I think will be our shortest conversation. It's a card that adds to really just one archetype, kind of like Man-Thing. It's going to be the Black Knight, who's a 1-2. And after you discard it, you're going to get the Ebony Blade with the power. After you discard a card, sorry. You're going to get the Ebony Blade with the power of the card that you discarded once per game. So Black Knight has to be on the board. And then you go ahead and get that card. Alex, like initial thoughts, rundowns on Black Knight. My initial thoughts is I think this is going to be trickier to play than like it first meets the eye because like you don't want to just discard a swarm, right? Like you don't want to just discard a swarm, right? So I was thinking about that and I was like, hey, what do you really want to discard then with Calling Wing? That gets you enough power that the Ebony Blade's worth it. And I'm like, okay, do you, do you discard Ebony Maw, right? Ebony Maw hit with, with the Calling Wing. That's a pretty good line. It's a 1-7. And plus if you Hella or whatever, that's a pretty good card to fall down on turn six, right? So I was thinking about like, okay, what do we actually want to discard? Like what is it with Ebony Blade? If you're playing something like a, a, a Colleen Wing, then yeah, like an Ebony Maw maybe, right? But even, do you really want Ebony Maw in your deck? And then I was thinking, I was like, okay, you still have Lady Sif who just got buffed. Death is an eight cost, right? So that's a very consistent line. But I don't, I'm not quite sure of this answer. If you discard Apocalypse, does the Ebony Blade take on the value of the discarded Apocalypse? Like on the moment of the discard. Do we know that yet? I think it's a similar to Dracula which is what I would assume. And this yeah. is where I see. In short, I think Black Knight is going to add a new flavor that's better than what Silver Surfer did because it's not messing your own thing up. To discard, it's not going to be... I don't think it's going to be Hella. I think it's going to be kind of a another option, potentially, if you have Black Knight out to Modoc. If you don't discard anything else, and you play Modoc, you have this card that can come out. I don't know if it's going to add to Apocalypse, What's interesting, too, about him, right, is if you, you, you play him down, you're calling wing if you have this Ebony Blade. Will it... You could also end up discarding that accidentally. Like, yeah. there, there's some weird interactions with how he's going to work. Without question, right, we, we can just say, I think, firmly, he's going to make some really cool, powerful play lines. And if you... This is like the combo card, right? If you get the combos that you need, you win the game, right? The Infinite 420 play. It's ridiculous. The Ghost Rider yeah. to follow ridiculous, but it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate for something like Modok. Will it will, will it just take the value of whatever's left in like the leftmost card in your hand, the first card that gets discarded with Modok? Yeah. So is this sh a shadow nerf to Modok? Like, is it? It's not reliable. So Modok's the most reliable discard card, but if you have Black Knight, Modok is suddenly not reliable, and Apocalypse will always bounce to the right of your hand. So in practice, I wonder about how good this card is. I, this is my lowest card. This is the card where I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know about this one. So, you know, I go against these decks, man, with Blade now, where it's like, it feels like no matter what they're getting rid of, it's good. It's like, oh, it's Swarm. Oh, there's Magneto. There's Infinite. I know it's coming. I think it's going to be good. I think it's good for the people that play Discard. I, it's a, because it's Series 5, I think you should avoid it for the most part, unless you're all in on Discard. I do think it's going to find its slot in these decks, in these new age era of these dependable Discard decks that I think are really slept on. They're not talked about right now enough. Because you've got these cards like, man, I could, I could go on and on about Hella, how I think she's just a pure value card now. She's so good. He's going to work in a lot of instances. He's definitely going to boost up Ghost Rider. Uh, obviously, this is like the, th those are the obvious synergies that's going to work. But he's going to still continue to add to what is this card all about, right? Kind of just like, it's a dance. It's a, if you get your combos, it's crazy. I think there's definitely great play lines with him. He's a little bit one-dimensional, if you will, which is why I don't love it, love it. I still think he's a, he's a, a 2.5 star. Really? I, I lean more towards two. Like, okay. because I feel like 
Discard really benefits from the consistent line of Modoc. However, if if Chavez gets changed, then discard changes completely. And I wonder, I, I've this crossed my mind. I wonder if Black Knight comes out and Chavez gets discarded. Chavez gets nerfed or changed. Like I wonder if the the new wave of discard comes in with Black Knight and Chavez being changed. But I guess the reason why I think he's gonna be a three like why I'm not just gonna crap on the card is that it's like he's a one drop. So like yeah, you have blade, but sometimes you gotta be careful with when you play so you're not getting the ebony blade as soon as you dis or play the Black Knight. It's when you discard a card. So at worst, he's a one-two, which is not good stats these days. But at worst, you're just kind of waiting around to see what a good four-job value is going to be, which is kind of what discard is anyway these days, right? Like you can have Black Cat now, which means you have two four-jobs that you can play. Maybe Zabu. We'll see. But you know what I mean? Like it's not for a for a archetype that kinds of needs a one-drop. He's just going to work in there, I would assume, with a lot of upside. I, the one deck I kind of wondered about him in, I was like, okay, because I was kind of low on this card, and I was like, okay, does Hella Tribunal really benefit from this? Because you're not really playing anything on one anyway, under most circumstances. Like, there's there's a couple different uh, ways to play Tribunal. Hella Tribunal is one of them. It's the most RNG-centric one. But if you straight up just discard, like, a Magneto, an Infinite, or, like, any of those big boys that you're hitting, then Ebony Blade's there. The problem is now you're also running, you're running Iron Man. You're running all these other hits that you don't want for your, your Black Knight. So, I don't know. Well, it's like, Discard has been leaning towards this reliable Discard, right? And you, you, bring up, you brought up uh, Silver Samurai prior. And Silver Samurai does not work well with Black Knight, because it's, it's discarding the opposite of what Black Knight wants, right? So, all these reliable pieces are moving like they're kind of acting against it. Lady Sif's the only one I really see. Modok doesn't work for it. So Silver Samurai doesn't work for it. Calling Wing is kind of awkward with it. That's kind of where my head's at. That's why I feel lower on Black Knight. Unless you make a deck that's just like a big time numbers, right? And then it's like, then Silver Samurai, like, yeah, he's getting rid of a seven, not a 12, but it's like, okay, you know, it's whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever, right? Like, you know, obviously you want it around a nine power to get at least like, it's like, that's like that's best cost for four cost card that you're playing down, right? So obviously Mobius Hurst's deck with Zabu, but yeah, overall for value, I'd say skip the week, right? What what do you say? I also agree, skip the week. I don't think it's worth it's not worth a series five token drop for sure. No, not at all. And we'll talk about the spotlights on your week. I don't think it's worth it. I, and again, I think people will look at it as a meme too positive. I just I think it works in the archetype like Man Thing does, and and that's as a one drop. I don't know. I think it just kind of works together. Uh, next up, dude. The next season card that we have to talk about, and you know, this is one where this could be, okay, hear me out. I'm going to already give my star rating to start it off, okay? This could be a 1.5 star card, Alex, or this very well could be, which I don't think it will, but it could be the next Legion, the truly the next Legion. It's Nico. Now, Runaway fans, you guys will know Nico Monaru. If you don't know, she's a one-drop on reveal after you play your next card, cast a spell. We do know that those spells go in order. The spells changes each turn. We've seen it played on the trailer. Very random. We're going to bring up the spells in a second. Alex, right? Like, don't you think it's going to be either, like, god-awful or the flexibility it brings makes it slept on and all of a sudden you have a great way to get things cooking? What you said, I'm so glad you said it first. I've... <laughs> I have a ton of notes for this card and all of them say just have question marks beside them because like it is, <laughs> we say it all the time, we need to play this card to really understand it and yes. I think this is like the one of the month. That's like, okay, this card really needs to be tested before you can say too much about it. 
I don't know. I agree with your assessment. It's like a one or a five and probably nowhere in the middle. The thing that has kind of got me thinking it's probably going to be on the lower side, and I like to be wrong, but it feels like the original snow guard, right? Yeah. If you think about it, remember how you used to, the, the, the bear and the hawk used to change and you're like, man, like I kind of could use that hawk right now, but it's the stupid bear, right? Or like that, that unreliability of that cha- That's what feels, that's what it feels like. We've seen, and we've seen these cards not perform. When they're trying yeah. to be a jack of all trades or like they have like a bunch of things they can do, they're not good at one thing and the game only has 12 cards and those 12 cards have to do something and serve the purpose in your deck, right? So that's the biggest argument for her. She's way too random, which is why some of these other cards that we thought would be good aren't good because it's just, it, it, it does too much and not enough. What she has going for her, she's a one drop. That's the biggest thing going for her. Snow Guard was a one drop, but you had to you had to play other things, whereas you get to cast a spell with the card. You know, you don't have to play more energy. Like Snow Guard was so bad because of that. She's very general in her application. I think that's a very good I think, if I'm calling it, she'll be terrible in ladder, but pretty good in conquest. That's my game. Like if I if I were to like sum it up, like that's probably my thought. And there's a couple of cards I think she works well with. I am low on her for now, but I do she do she could be Legion. All of a sudden, these people crapping on her, they're gonna love her and say that I think it'll be the hot take to say she's gonna be good because she has, I guess, the potential. I just don't fully see it, Alex. I think it helps like taking a look at her spells. And for those watching here, you can see them all on screen, but we'll go through them quickly. Just take a listen. Uh, we're going to go from spell one to spell seven. The first spell on reveal after you play your next card, it becomes a demon, which would obviously be a one six. All of these are on reveal cards, guys. After you play your next card, destroy it and draw two cards. After you play your next card, move it to a location to the right. So kind of the opposite of iron uh, fist. After you play your next card, give it plus two power. A little worse than Elsa. Playing your next card, you can replace the card's location. A little Scarlet Witch stuff going on. After you play your next card, it's a mini moon girl. Add a copy of it to your hand. And then finally, after you play your next card, you're going to double Nico to a one four. So again, Alex, all of these are very kind of situational in the right decks. They will have their uses. I'm going to just say it now. I think the two decks, if you will, that are going to work best with Nico, and this is truly, we got to just wait and see. It's going to be, <laughs> wait for it, the fifth time mentioned on the podcast, Phoenix Force. <laughs> Phoenix Force. Yeah, so Phoenix Force has a lot of synergy with these cards that we just read off, right? So that, uh, you know, maybe. Also, man, play your next card, it becomes a demon. I was like, wait a second. Brood, Mr. Sinister, what happens there? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure they would all just become... So there's some cool interactions. Again, I think this is a grade A, five-star fun card. Probably not going to be the best. And then lastly, I think Thanos, man... I think Thanos will love this card because it has a lot of cards that can take effect to this and it doesn't matter. Like, destroy a stone, who cares? You get to draw yeah. two cards, right? I, I I agree. Thanos is a good call there. I think Thanos needed something. Thanos is... That change to the soul stone, it's hard to believe that that small change completely... It took like 2% off the win rate of, of the deck. Oh, I know. Off the archetype. It's yeah. crazy, right? You said something pretty interesting and I want to kind of touch on it, okay? So... In my head, when I was evaluating this card, I was thinking, you know what? This is a cool card, but when you have 12 cards, I think one thing that Marvel Snap does really well, and although this might be a hot take, but I think Marvel Snap has very fair RNG for the most part. You have some location RNG, which can be absolutely tilting, but in terms of actual card RNG, I think it's pretty well managed here. Nico takes it to a whole other level. 
And when you're playing a 12 card deck, I think the best decks are the ones that are often the most consistent. Like if you think about what high evolutionary is, we think about what Shuri is. These are not fancy RNG decks. These are very consistent, straightforward play pattern decks that just perform. Nico throws it all out the window. But you said that you think that it's going to be better on, no, no. Is it better on in Conquest, terrible on ladder or the other way around? I'm actually, I'd like for you to expand on that because that was a really interesting thing. And like, I actually, I was like, what did he mean by that? So I, yeah. I'd like to go back to that. So I'm pretty sure these spells don't go in order. Like it's not the same set order. And sometimes if you build your deck around Nico, you can really find ways to kind of make her work successfully. Like let's just say Brood's Absorbing Man deck. Absorbing Man's a cool card with Nico because he can take advantage of the double of double spells. I don't know. I don't even know what that looks like, right? But you have Brood, you have Sinister in that deck already, and maybe on one, you know, game, you lose two cubes, one cube, it doesn't look good. The next game, you play Nico, and on two or three, you have Brood or Sinister, and you've got the Demon spell up. You snap, the opponent think your deck sucks, and all of a sudden you have 18 power in the lane because you have three Demons from a Brood. Those are where I, it's the variance, right? You get to change locations, destroy cards and draw, I think a deck can be designed to make her decent, but you're right. Chavez is consistent. Like these cards are consistent and that's what does well. But in, in ladder, dude, you get play Nico down, you get your spells. They probably, you know, they might suck and then you lose, right? Or it's, it's over. You don't get to play on emotions. You don't get to play on consistency or sorry. You have to play on consistency. Yeah, so it's kind of like the Agent Colson effect. The reason why you were so high on Agent Colson when it first came out with Conquest. It's yeah. like that that variability that your opponent can't really predict or deal with. Okay, I got you. All right, that makes a lot of sense. You, you almost give me a little more like spirited like thoughts about this card. I was way down, like way down. A little bit more hope for this one. And uh, I, I think if, if the spell effects are super cool, I'll be in. There's some, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's got potential. I think we're going to have our own subject for her at some point because she's just so intricate, uh, but definitely yes. fun. Definitely a fun card. Now it's a long podcast, but we got to talk about our next card. Werewolf by night, Alex. Now I do want to start out by saying this was Glenn a hundred percent on purpose. Every card stats were shown in the trailer, but werewolf by night, which I thought was hilarious because they, they, I think this card has the most potential. Elsa seems probably like the card, right? But this one is so, it could be game-breaking that they're not even ready to get the stats out to the public yet, right? It is a 3-3 three, three at the moment. I think it'll keep its three cost. After you play an arm reveal card at another location, move there and gain plus two power. Is Werewolf by Night. Yo, that's insane. I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's going to be good. Like this, this for me is like a pretty confident four star for yeah, me. Four. Um, That's what if I it's bad, I'll be totally surprised. If this is a bad card, I'll be like, man, really? How did this, how was this bad? I think the on reveal part of it is kind of an interesting like inclusion because it kind of does restrict how the card is utilized and the kind of decks that it can work with. But at the same time, I mean, just one movement, it's a three, five. Two movements, it's a three seven, and like again, like what do you what do you got to do for Maximus to get that done, right? And I mean, nothing. It just feeds your opponent's hand, but <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But what I'm trying to say is, I do think that this card's really good, and I like that it's a move card that's going off of on reveal because, like, yeah, okay, there's the obvious cards, right? Like Heimdall, for instance. But as a whole, I think it opens up some really interesting opportunities for a bit of like a a synergistic approach between move and on reveal. Yeah, both archetypes that are. I would say in contention of the most diversity in love, right? Both of those need the love. Obviously, this works with Elsa as a card that you can play and get it out of the lane. 
Uh, yeah, two reveals, and you have yourself a Maximus. Okay, that's all I need to know. Now, you do need the space. You need the space to be able to do this. However, if Elsa's in play two works perfect, because then all of a sudden now you're like, yeah, you need the space, but if you fill out a location, it's not as big of a deal because you're adding a little bit of extra oomph to that. I also love this is the ultimate dodging of Shang-Chi card. It's perfect. It's a 3-7. If it becomes a 3-9, like good luck guessing where I'm going to play. It's a tough card, I think, to go up against, and it has a lot of potential. Silver Surfer, Thanos, another great Thanos card. My God, man, the Unreveal Stones is perfect. Absolutely perfect for this card, man. You know, you play like a... Uh, a deck that wants to play a lot of cards down and then maybe use Killmonger, you get rid of all those. Like, he could fit in, like, a Destroy Thanos build, even, because you have all these honor reveals going on, and then you just kill them all with Killmonger, make the space for him. He's got way more to him than I think people give him credit for, and with Bounce, he seems insane. He's got a lot of cool uses. I actually, it's funny you brought up Silver Surfer, because that was, like, one of the primary lists that I was, like, kind of pen and pencil, uh, pen and penciling, kind of like, okay, how do I make this card work in an interesting way? And it's as simple as like you often almost, I don't want to say you want to lose or you intend to lose the Silver Surfer lane sometimes. Like you, you got brewed and like you're building up the other location. Silver Surfer is often the last card you play and it's sometimes being thrown into the location that you don't have the most power in. But with Werewolf by Night, you get the Werewolf sliding over. You've already activated it a couple times perhaps. It slides on over. It gets the plus two by Silver Surfer, plus two for its movement. And suddenly you actually have a better chance of going vertical in that Silver Surfer lo uh, location. I actually really like it. I think it's pretty cool. And I don't want to just say, oh, Silver Surfer because it's a three drop because like that's what we always default to anytime there's a three drop and two drops with Zabu and stuff, uh, four drops with Zabu, sorry. But like, I actually see synergy there. So yeah. I think you're right to call that out because it makes perfect sense. It's an honor reveal card played on turn six, last card of the game, and it comes sliding over. Yeah, and not to mention, dude, Elsa, the Elsa synergy, it's already working. So I think Bounce, the movement package is so busted with this card, it feels like now, because Craven is like, come to, you're getting all these, you know, plus twos all over the board. There's a lot of archetypes that Werewolf is going to work in, and we have to wait till the end of the month to even get our hands as he comes out, uh, I think, on October 31st. But definitely four star, I think we said for both of us here, uh, no question about it, man. So that's that's the new cards that's a lot of new cards this month it was kind of a sleeper banger month may not be cards that people know the characters but definitely is like we said to start off going to hype up a lot of cards that we need the love if you will we have cards on the rise we kind of do this as tradition cards we looked at, we just talked about the new cards right which ones are going to be rising up that are already in your collection and i'm going to read off a little list that i gathered here and i want you to kind of tell me it's that one right there. Like, that's the one that's going to pop off, right? So on my list here, I've got Shadow King, definitely, with all these fake foe stats, right? I mean, my God, Shadow King is going to be awesome. Luke Cage, we've got Beast getting himself a nice little rise. Mojo to combat the Elsa. Debris to go with Man-Thing and a few other cards that we've talked about. Phoenix Force, Ghost Rider, and Ghost Spider. Which ones do you like? I like debris on that list. For me, I think debris is like has the biggest delta from like card that's okay to a card that's gonna actually slap potentially, specifically with man thing. I think that disruption based decks and taking away board space for opponents as destroy drops in meta meta kind of share, which is happening. We're actually seeing destroy drop down, and naturally you don't want to play just debris and destroy. So debris is a huge winner in my books. Like, like what do you think there? Like on your list, like do you would you say that debris is a big winner? I'd like debris also because if Elsa rises up to crazy potential and then man thing comes out and toxic is I, I i'm telling toxic is already good 
all of a sudden you have debris that like, oh, they were going to fill that Elsa lane with a card and you pop a rock in there. Like it's going to piss them off. Debris I like a lot. Shadow King, I think, is the winner even more so. He continues to be that with the Kitty Pride deck. I think without question, Shadow King is going to really rise up on this month in particular. And maybe, maybe Thanos possibly, possibly as a riser. Maybe not a winner, but a, a, as a full riser. But yeah, I, I would say probably my winner, uh, the, the biggest card with the upgrade will be Shadow King. And then just Toxic, the archetype with Mojo probably being up there. Yeah, and um, it's kind of funny you bring up Kitty Pride, but that's going to be a riser too. Oh, I yeah. mean, it was already rising before, then it got nerfed, and the decks got destroyed. The Kitty Pride based decks, like Kitty Pride and Angel, was like, well, this package sucks now. It got taken out of a lot of the lists, and it's going to come back. So Kitty's going to have one week of irrelevance and then come back flying into the meta. People are going to be upset about Kitty again next week, but it's, it's okay. It's it's only been a week, so it's it's expected. Though, yeah, right. It, exactly. One week off, and then you can get right back to your shenanigans. We're going to be talking about the spotlights that coexist with these new cards over on Alex's, and I think that's going to be really important to know if you truly should get something like Man-Thing or Black Knight. But before we talk about the spotlights, we need to talk about the final rankings, Alex, on the cards that we just had. We, we ranked them going into the season. How are they going to fare out now that we have them all? We've gotten to play them, and there's definitely some ones that uh, they're maybe not as good as we thought. Cozy, it's been an absolutely wild week. I'm going to ask you, what's been your favorite deck to play thus far this week? Oh, dude, it's got to it, it has to be the Toxic. It's got to be the Toxic archetype. I've been having some fun with a discard brew that I'm cooking up, but the fact of just having the Viper and the Green Goblin into the decks that are just craving to play like Loki that need the locations. I won an infinite conquest with it against a high Evo on the match five. It was insane. I love it, man. It's been a ton of fun to play that. How about you? It's funny because what happened was, is I was uh, laying in bed in the morning, right? And I was playing a couple of snap matches and I'm like, what's a toxic deck? Like nonstop. I hadn't had a chance to check my YouTube notifications yet. Cause you know, I got that bell rung. And then I, I scroll down. I'm like, oh, oh okay, there it is. <laughs> That's why I'm facing toxic deck after toxic deck. Honestly, it's a beauty. I gave it a shot too. I think you nailed it. I think it's a lot of fun. And hey, listen, you know what's really fun though is getting a deck that not only functions well, but it's legitimately fun to play. And I think yeah. that's like the thing that we sometimes miss in Marvel Snap that... I know we get competitive guys. Uh, ranked is now competitive. Conquest is naturally competitive by design. But it's such a fun game. It's such a fun game. And I think that deck is just fun. Toxic's always going to be fun. Yeah, Viper is just a cool card, right? Like, just doing what she has. And then also, I love the ability of... It, it came from the Psylocke buff, right? The Psylocke buff was good. And then I was like, what archetype loves five drops that, like, really affect the deck? And I was like, ooh, Doc Ock and Spider-Woman. And then I was like, hold on. Leech? I was like, dude, all these cards together just feel so mean. And they work together and they flow. And it, it dude... It's a lot of fun. So I, I'm glad that you enjoyed playing that. And hopefully the viewers and community did a bit as well. But uh, yet yeah, we've got some good topics on this side. And it, I feel like it's always good to recap what we've said on the Snapchat before, right? A and talk about the cards that come out because we like to get hyped up. I feel like we were pretty good on my side, not getting too crazy. But, you know, we were excited for this season, uh, for sure. It definitely was an exciting season. I mean, we got one of the most notable tech cards in the history of Marvel Snap, and it's a lot of reason to get excited. I think me and you are just, we're excitable dudes right, at the same time. But one thing I will say is, like, evaluating cards without playing them is incredibly difficult, right? It's incredibly difficult. But overall, I'm really interested in this discussion because I think that 
going back and taking a look at how we, you know, rank cards and how we're going to kind of rank them now, I think speaks volumes to how impactful some of these cards have been on the meta. Because I think we've had some extreme meta shakers. So let's dive right into the conversation. So we're going to be talking about the cards that came out in September. Okay. And we're going to be doing our final rankings and analysis on them. We've had our chance to play them. We've used them in decks. Countless hours of conquest and ranked. Cozy, where do you want to start? You want to start like at the top? You want to start at the bottom? When you want to let's start at the bottom. Oh, I yeah. Mean, okay. Like Mobius. Let's start at the bottom. Number Number four, what would you give the lowest ranked card oh. of the season? I, I would dare to guess I might know what it is, Cozy, but let's see what you got to say. Yeah, uh, I think the one that we definitely whiffed on the most, and I'll I'll say this, Alex, I'll say that I think we were maybe like a, t a smidge hard on her, but obviously Ravona Rinslayer is the worst card of the month, but I, I'm going to give her a two star instead of like a one or 1.5. But she's still two bad. stars fine. Okay. Two stars fine. She's she's bad, but it's just you know what it came down to. Worse with Ravona. That's the slogan that kind of stayed in my head. Worse with Ravona, and that's kind of what happened with the decks. But it's just it's kind of unfortunate because it it was kind of like a cursed card if you think about it. Okay, you had Mobius coming out next month, right? And the pool of cards that it was buffing. Yes, you had the Darkhawk, but Darkhawk was already on its way down. Zabu was going to get hit by Mobius anyways. So you had all these kind of things stacking against Ravona, and maybe we were a little too high on like its potential combo centric play. Ultimately, it's going to be probably the weakest link in September, which I mean, is not that big a deal because this is the kind of card, like we said before, it's going to age like fine wine. As more cards come out, as more cards come out, and there's going to be cards coming out every single week for the rest of history of Marvel Snap. Ravona has a chance to positively impact that card, right? Positively be a key component in the cog of that machine. So I listen, I have the card in my in my deck, in, the, in my collection, not in my decks, in my collection, let me correct. And I'm waiting for its opportunity to come out and shine. Yeah, I played with her a bit over the last like, couple days in Patriot. And I actually think it, like if the community got together, we could find decks that are better with her. But there, it's just... She's such a hard card to make work overall. She's going to be a candidate for an OTA. There's no question because they want their cards to be good. You could just look at the stats with her and they're going to be like, yeah, this one just did not land. And ultimately, she's a series five. They're going to want to, or I guess series four. They're going to want to sell her per se, right? On future spotlights. So I, for that reason, A, I see her getting better. But also, yeah, I think there's better days ahead for Ravona. Mobius will calm down a little bit as we continue to move forward. People are already still not playing him enough, but I think we can both agree Ravona is is at number four. Yeah, but I have a question for you. What do you do with Ravona? Like, do you do you think you go right to two cost first, or do you maybe make her a three four or a three five? See if that extra power kind of buoys her up a little bit. Yeah, either match her with Loki if you're not going to take him down and make her a three five, or bring her down to two. Because they said they experimented with bringing her down to two, I just I feel like that's probably what they're going to do with her first, right? Yeah, it's just, again, she's just an awkward play because of curve, right? So if they can fix that, like if a, a Zappa on three is tough if he's bad curve too, because you just don't, you don't have enough turns to take advantage of what you're trying to do for the most part, right? I would say two costs, yeah. Yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, I can see that being the case. All right, Cozy, I'll let you lead the way with number three. What do you think is the third slotted card for our final rankings in September? Dang, I was, I was, I was going to pass the torch to you, but that's coming my way because I think we can all say all three of these cards are kind of like 
neck and neck. And it's it's so weird, man. It's weird to put him here. Ultimately, dude, I guess I'm going to put Mobius here, which like at this point, I think we can all just say all three of these cards, just by that statement, all of these cards are pretty meta-defining if I'm putting Mobius here at three. And it speaks to how damn good Eliath and Loki are. I, it, it's crazy. I, it, because Loki and Eliath, I see getting a nerf in some capacity, eventually. Honestly, if I'm being candid about it. Mobius, I don't. Mobius, though, is the most general, insane card. And he's so good. Like, all these are S-tier cards in my book. I, I have them all as just top-tier cards. Eliath is probably what you would put here, or most people would put here. But Eliath is just filthy. He's a filthy card. What are your thoughts? I think my thoughts are we're going to have a bit of a debate here. This is wild. I did not expect you to put Triple M here at number three. I no it. way would I have expected that. This is where I had Loki. And I can see it on your face. You're like, seriously, Alex, what What are you thinking? Putting Loki below Triple M and Eliath. Well, hear me out here. And this is based on today. Since the release of Triple M, Loki has been a more lackluster list. It's still good. It still wins, okay? It still does its thing, but it doesn't do its thing as good because of Mobius. It really doesn't. And I think that, like, the weekend missions you're seeing, anyone just running Mobius and decks that kind of can take advantage of, of Loki a little bit are just feasting right now. And I'm listen, I'm trying to get that gold. I'm playing Loki decks, and it plays horribly against Mobius. It's not unwinnable. What I often found myself doing was leaning towards, like, okay, they have Mobius. I'm going to play my Devil Dinosaur line. If I have Collector Road, I'll play my Loki on six to pump the Collector, and then I can refill my hand with Devil Dinosaur and Snow Guard or something. Like, the different lines, I think, are super good with Loki. But for me, in terms of, like, the way it feels right now, today, as of recording, I feel like Loki is less, I don't want to say less metaphorical. We're talking about really good cards here, right? We're talking about S-tier cards. But it's not doing what Eliath is doing. And it sure as hell didn't do to the meta what Mobius is doing right now. Mobius has had like this like numbing effect on the meta. All the top decks kind of just went whoa, 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 a little lower because of Mobius. I don't know. I, I, I slot Loki here. I know you like you think it's complete anarchy that I've no, done. No, I mean, I think it's, again, all three of these. I didn't know going into this subject we were going to rank them in order, right? So I just had my star ratings for them. And then I had to think about it on the spot, like what I would put. I think Loki is the best deck in the game right now still. Uh, and you just put Mobius with Loki and he's still the best deck in the game or wait for it. You play Loki and you get their Mobius. They have it in the deck. You just play that first and then you get to have your explosive turn six or turn five or whatever, right? So like, it's funny. He's so good to counter Wave and Sarah, but he's better with Wave and Sarah. And so ultimately, Loki's just right now on a consistent basis, the deck I fear the most in Infinity Conquest. Thus, I have to have it as the highest ranked card. And I think Loki rewards players... Loki's not good at low ranks. He's not. And, and not to like offend people at low ranks. That's not what I'm trying to do. More of like the more you're the casual doesn't have a, a super good grasp on what deck they're playing against all the time. They're just hanging out. They're playing the game. If you know what you're going against, Loki is very easy. And you have four different play lines that you're going to do with Loki, depending on the deck you're going against. Right. So all these are great cards. I just have Mobius here as like the long term winner. Sure. But as far as just like what has happened this month. I have him at the third spot. Feels weird, but yeah, that's my, my personal take there. Yeah, the month as a whole, I mean, Loki definitely smashed up this month pretty hard. Like, Loki had an impact. Loki yep. had an impact. It's just the way I felt this weekend playing Loki with Mobius on the board, with Mobius in the meta, it's not this, it does not feel the same. Loki felt borderline unfair the first week. 
And now it feels much more vulnerable is what I'm trying to say. For sure. And so like from that standpoint, it's like, that's why I kind of bring it back a little bit, but I totally get your argument. Also, I mean, let's be honest. You love Loki because you love Loki, right? Yeah, that's I love the, the, game that's the other yeah. side to it, right? Yeah. So that's why you'll always find a way to love an arrow deck. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Biased. I'm calling it now. Bias. Please do. Please do. At number two, then, do you have, would you have, who do you have? Loki? I had, or, I wrote uh, Elioth. Yeah, I yeah, put Elioth down at number two. Oh, we uh, get a Because I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny how we got these all mixed up. What was your number two again? My number two is a life. So uh, okay, so we agree on this part. We agree yeah. on this part. It's the one and three that we have flipped. Yeah. So have, yeah. let's hear your thoughts on a life first. I'm interested. Oh, dude, it's like I, I feel bad because the car that usually like the community likes to come together and hate. I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel that way. I love a life. I think he's he's probably my most played card this month by a long shot. I have to restrict myself from putting them in decks that I throw on, or if I like, I have them in a deck. I just do alternates that you can put in there. He rewards. Listen, I just think that people got very used to how to play Snap or how to abuse it in a way where Elijah says, nope. Now, does he need counterplay? Probably. Should the cards at least reveal? Probably. I don't know. I think that's how you adjust them rather than power. He needs to have a little bit of power there. But my God, dude, he's just a winner. He, he, if, you can focus and change the game from a three-location game to a one-location game with just a little sprinkle on another location. And that's what all the decks do. Lock down even the toxic archetype that I was playing with them. Ramp. Who cares about Galactus? Dude, he's so, he's so good. He's such a good card. I love him. Yeah, and the thing I really like about Elias specifically that maybe goes understated is he made initiative batter again. Exactly. When I'm playing an Elias based deck and when I'm designing an Elias based deck, I really focus on what initiative looks like, how I can control the board state, how I can control the locations. It's a much more, it's a much more macro centric approach to Marvel snap. And I think that what it does is it pays off on turn six. You know what I mean? Like all those small things you do throughout the course of a game to either maintain initiative, to seal off and close off locations, or basically make them unwinnable for your opponent, therefore encouraging them to play where you can predict. Those are like six turn entire game plays to that culminate in your Eliath play. Yeah. For sometimes for your opponent, they're just, they're getting hit by the Eliath, but you've built to that. And that's kind of where, like, I feel some sympathy for the Eliath lovers out there that are, like, feeling bad because they're playing Eliath because it's such a... It feels like it's it's the new villain to some degree right now. Galactus got brought down a little bit. Goliath... Sorry, Goliath. Eliath dodged that nerf. But you, you kind of earn it sometimes. Even with the Soul Reads we've talked about. Like, it's not an easy card to play. It just feels like it's an easy card to play when you wipe out three cards on their side of the board. It, I don't know, man. It's just funny that a community won't get mad about a Kitty Pride that's like a billion stats followed by a Taskmaster and then all of a sudden, like, Elioth is a feel-bad card to lose to. He is, right? Like, you'll take a, an ass-whooping by a 28 Taskmaster. Like, oh, fair play. But Elioth gets played in, like, they're cheating. Right, so it's it's just the way it makes you feel. I understand it. It's one that I think is fine. I think he maybe could have balance with counterplay a tad bit. But I played. I have 554 boosters right now for the card. Okay, so with those boosters, I can say that there's so many games that Alive was not going to win it for me, and I had to resort to something else, or I just lost that round, right, or game, or whatever. With the consistency of how much I played, I feel like that he's close if not fine as a card. He's just damn good. He's a damn good card that changed the way it was played. 
Do you think it'd be better or worse that like if someone loses to a Lyoth, instead of saying like defeated, if you play a Lyoth with initiative and delete their cards, it says deleted. Yeah. Or just Lyoth. Or do you think that would just tilt them worse? A Lyoth with a D, E, D, a Lyoth. Yeah. You know, probably, probably pissed off even more players. But yeah, he's going to just be a card. Listen, it's tough to add these cards in the game. And it's cards that obviously Glenn adds for reasons in the game. He's just, he, he's, he's tough. The people that hate him are going to hate it. Like there's no converting those people, right? Like they are going to hate a life till he gets nerfed and they're going to clamor for it. Unfortunately, I'm just not one of those people yet. Uh, yet. I, I'll, I'll put that on there. But yeah, he's, our, he's both of our number twos. And then we have one and three slot uh, swapped. Yeah. Yeah. Last question about light though. This is interesting. I thought about this. And I want your opinion on it. Do you think that a design is better or worse than the original Spider-Man. It's something that kind of crossed my mind. I wanted to bring it up on the Snapchat. I don't, the original Spider-Man that blocked off the location. I feel like Eliath kind of does that by proxy to some degree. Like it, it basically completely nullifies the location on a turn, but there's a, there's that soul read element to it. Whereas Spider-Man did not have that soul read. So I'm interested in your thoughts between the two, Eliath and Spider-Man and those two designs. The thing is, Five drops are borderline the most important card in Snap. And so you with a life get to play a five drop. And that, with a Spider-Man that was turned into a five drop, right? Like that's what was tough. That's what the one I'm speaking on. So you get to have the impactfulness, whatever that might be, of your five drop. Like you arrow them over there and then you get to just have that free lane to play a life. And that's the biggest uh, dude playing Spider-Man. Like you were giving up turn five and then you're like, yeah, they were blocked off from that lane. But sometimes it was like, just like, I hope this works or whatever. And then you could Dr. Doom it, but that's usually not enough because you didn't have the impact of whatever they got to do on five for that. Re Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just, it crossed my mind. I thought it was an interesting discussion point. I have a follow-up question because we already know our three, one, two, one. I, I think we don't have to talk crazy about Loki and uh, Mobius too much more. Let's go to last month and say the best card of last month was X-23. Does that break number three on this month? Does that break Mobius and up or Loki and up? I don't think so. Yeah. No, no. I think, I think that X-23 falls under those cards. Like, if I were to evaluate all of them together, I would say that Eliath, Loki, and Mobius, and Mobius are stronger cards than X-23 on aggregate. Month prior was Legion. I still think... I, right? It's still better. I still think that Eliath, Loki, and Mobius, and Mobius are better than Legion. June, we don't even have one in contention. What about Iron Lad or Haivo? I think both of those are at least could punch up. Haivo. Haivo punches up for sure. Iron Lad, I, listen, I know you're high on Iron Lad where I'm not. Like, I, we, yeah. we know this. We've talked about this before. But I think we can both agree High Evil has been one of the most meta-defining cards released in Snap. Because, like, it's just accessible for basically any play. Not, I shouldn't say that. It's a Series 5 card that's not necessarily accessible. But if you unlock it, its decks become increasingly accessible because you have most of them already. I think that Evo uh, definitely punches up for sure. So if we, listen, we hype this season up, listeners, viewers. But to the point, I would say arguably you have Jeff... High Evo, Legion, in the area. Maybe Jeff and High Evo for sure, right? That even get close to these three cards in terms of relevancy and what they've done and how good they are in the game. That's how... It, I don't even call it power creep. I just think that what they bring to what they do is insane. And we, we've known about this month forever. I, we go back to June. We were saying, save your spotlights for the September month. And it lived up. It lived up to the hype. Say what you will. It lived up to it. And it's good to see that. Because we've had a few months where they don't. And uh, this is definitely one that they have. 
All right, Cozy, the next discussion I think is a really important one. One of the most important that we'll have, and that's a discussion about the spotlight caches that are coming in October. Spotlight caches are damn expensive. They're rare. And for free-to-play players and pretty much everybody, making a plan on how you intend to roll on your spotlight caches is going to be important. So today we're going to talk about October spotlight caches, and we're going to be going through them, getting our opinions, our thoughts, and seeing which ones are the ones that might provide you with the most value as a player in Marvel Snap, trying to get the most bang for your buck. Cozy, let's start with October 2nd to 9th. That is going to be the week of Thanos, X-23, and Echo. Now, I... <laughs> I'm kind of laughing because, like, did I just name three of your favorite cards of Marvel Snap or what? Yeah, right. I mean, three cards I like a lot. And even with that, it's like, man, it's just a tough week. It's a tough week. You don't have a new card in there. Thanos is in a bad spot at the moment, even though he'll have synergy. It is Thanos. He is one of the most fun cards to play. If you didn't get X-23, it's awesome. How dare they put X-23 in this first week, just like they put Jeff in the last one. They know what they're doing here. I, the, these cards, if, the, if this was a week with a new card, good God, it's spicy, dude. It's tough without one, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's the week with Elsa, right? Which is kind of why they do it this way. So, like, I get it. I think they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep, okay, Elsa comes out. That's a good, like, PR push. And the next week we get Man-Thing. The next week, if you if you release two brand new cards, it's like, you know, you're just run, you're running through the inventory. You want to, you got to keep people, you got to keep that carrot on a stick going. I think that's why they do it the way they do it. It makes yeah. sense if you really think about it. Yeah. But I mean, it kind of hurts me because like, if Thanos was in its original state with the Soul Stone, I still can't believe it. It's, it's the Soul Stone change that really took Thanos' legs out. Like, this is an amazing bundle. Because I, I do think that like, Thanos, I don't care. Even if it's not bad right now, if it's not great right now, I, I still think this is a fantastic card. It's a oh, five-star yeah. card you want in your, your collection. You always want it. X-23, for me, it's a four-star card. I think you always want it, right? I know for you, you're even literally potentially even higher on it, but like it is it is a staple in Destroy, right? Like You don't really make a Destroy list without X-23, right? No, and that's, that's where it's like it's super tough, right? Because if the random slot didn't exist, I'm like, oh man, this is definitely, if you don't have... I, any of these cards definitely open one up, right? Like, just see what you get if you get Thanos, great, X-23, but if you get the tokens, it's like, you gotta be kidding me. Tw X-23 is not dropping anytime soon. Thanos is never dropping. And then Echo is, is a cool consolation prize. I would probably, uh, probably, people are gonna be the most mad if they were to pull only that. It's just tough not having a new card in this in this one. That That's what, that's what I come back to. If you're a destroy player, though, and you don't have these cards, it's a banger week, man. This is a destroy Thanos list, like pretty much right here without the Echo, the X-23 Thanos. And who knows, you might just get Thanos, you can get out. Uh, if you get X-23 as your first pull, second pull, get out. Just stop. I did what I, or Thanos, if you're going for both of those, right? Yeah, I agree. Okay. I, that being said, like, I do like Echo, though. Like, I we've talked about this in the past. You've I converted me from an Echo doubter to an Echo believer. And I think the card's better. It's just, it's the meta, it's not meta relevant. It's, yep. it's not the time for Echo yet. And until we get the, the ongoing season, right, Echo's always going to feel like a potential risk. Although, if Jean Grey ever becomes really, really... I mean, Jean Grey's kind of making a bit of a comeback, and Jean Grey really likes Echo, right, to some degree. But uh, yeah, overall, though, this is a pretty good week. I think if you're a free-to-play player and you don't have Thanos and X-23, I think you can confidently roll for those two. It feels like a good week, but if you have these cards and if Echo's the one you're missing, you skip. You skip Echo all day long, I think. 
Thanos is really the prize, I think, if you don't have him yet. And X-23 is definitely like a very, very close second just because it's so damn good. And you're right. It ain't dropping anytime. And nothing's dropping anytime soon. What's your star rating on the week? My star rating, I give this week, this one here approximately like a three or four. I Ooh. lean towards like three or four. Just simply on the fact that Thanos is what Thanos is. X-23 is what X-23 is. Yeah. And I do believe in Echo overall. I think that if you don't have these cards, like it's worth rolling for Thanos. For no, sure. I like it. I think there's something to be said about like, yeah, you don't get the new card, but like also cards are still good from the past, right? So if you don't have them, I agree. This is probably like a three, 3.5 for me. The other thing that's important is to look ahead. In the next two weeks, you don't need to roll in my humble opinion. Honestly, next three weeks, like, yeah, we'll get to them in a second. But like, keep that in mind as we talk about these other ones. If you look where you're at with these spotlight caches, and if you're like, but I only have five or four and there's weeks coming out. Keep in mind with what we're about to say, right? So week number two, Alex, is Man-Thing, which we talked about on my side, Silver Samurai, and Lady Deathstrike. Alex, are you hot on this week? Do you hate it? I think we could both just say right now, Man-Thing is a, the only Series 4 drop, right? Yeah, you, this is one of those weeks where you don't roll your caches and you spend your tokens. Yes. If you really want Man-Thing, you spend your 3,000 tokens, you save your caches, you move on with your life. That's It's that simple. Yep. Uh, this is like, <laughs> I don't want to say one star, but you don't roll this week, I don't think. If you really want Man-Thing, you get Man-Thing. Silver Samurai is not meta-defining. It, it goes into decks. It goes into dis to discard decks. Okay, Lady Deathstrike. Lady Deathstrike, the variant's cool. The variant's cool, I guess. But outside of that, like, it's it's a missable card, right? Who, who really cares right now? I think this is a pretty low week. I, this is like, I don't want to say one star, but it's it's like one or two star. I'm skipping this week. And like and that that's rare because I, I go off to all the variants. But like, man, things base variant slaps. I love it. I, I Like, it reminds nice me of like goosebumps. Yeah. So... People that hate Man-Thing are going to hate it. Like, it's just not their card, man. They don't like playing with fire. I get it. But, the, like, mass, like, general person, I would say Man-Thing's, like, a good card to grab for 3K. Uh, absolutely good card to grab for 3K. Silver Samurai, is you can miss him. It's fine. Lady Deathstrike, you can definitely skip her, in my opinion, as well. It's not a week that I would go for whatsoever. And then even if you if you don't play Toxic, like, don't worry about Man-Thing. But if you do, or if you're even interested in trying it, wait for some videos. Check out what we have to say. Odds are... It's going to make Toxic a lot better. Week three is Black Knight, Stature, and Modoc. Yeah, you got it. Black Knight, Stature, Modoc, which is kind of funny because how many times are you going to put Stature, Modoc into these spawn caches, right? Uh, but before we talk about it, you, you actually touched on something really important I want to say. What Cozy just said is so important. Wait, just wait, right? Like, mm -hmm. don't, like, I know you get the, the spotlight caches. You want to roll them. You want the new thing. But if you just wait like a couple days, right? There's a chance like, oh, wait, man thing. Look at this deck. It's 65% win rate. Oh my God. Right. And then, okay, get it, spend it. Right. But if it's like, oh, look at man thing, 27% win rate, right? Like Ravona rank slayer territory. Then like, yeah, just don't, don't spend it. You're going to be happy you waited. Right. Especially if you're free to play. I think patience is a virtue with these. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to the week, October 16th to 23. We have black Knight, stature and Modoc. I mean, stature Modoc are cards I like, but what does what card just came out that really destroys stature? Yeah, right. Might be one of the best cards ever released. Which which one's it, Cozy? That's the thing. It's like the flavor of these cards are fun, but it's like, yeah, but will it but will it work? Or will it be worth it? Stature is like, I love that they do stature Modoc because they're anticipating this to be the discard week. So here's stature to counter that, essentially, is what they're saying. Black Knight's best synergy card 
is neither of these two, in my opinion. I think Modoc, obviously, we've talked about where that could work. We can stand by Modoc as a good card. But because of the lin the linear approach to it all, man, I, again, I'm going to say it. If you're a discarder for life, or you get that across your chest and you have a you have a Morbius tattoo, get it. But this is skippable, yeah. It, it's definitely skippable. It's unfortunate because like when I when I look at it, I'm like, okay, Modoc is a fantastic discard card, but it's already been here. It's already been here. There's a chance that you have Modoc, right? It's also Series 4. You have the Series 4 stature. It's destroyed by Triple M, right? And then you have Black Knight, which, I mean, we just talked about Black Knight. And I think I, we were lukewarm. We were lukewarm on Black Knight because like, it, it has potential, but at the same time, it's like, does it really do what you want? Does it really do what you want? So yeah. feels very skippable, especially knowing that like there are people out there that these, these caches are, they're hard to come by. They're hard to come by for everybody. And so, yeah, I think this is one of the ones you weak. This is like, is this is a two-star week for you. Like, it's hard to say. Oh man, honestly, to me, it's just a pass. It, it, it's a pass. And that's why it's like week one's more appetizing because you're like, well, yeah. Okay. At least it's Thanos week one, right? You got Thanos, a big bad. You got X23, basically one of the big bads of Destroy. And it's not null, but it's, you know what I mean, right? Like it's the basis of Destroy right now. Uh, yeah, dude. The, I, the, none of this matters, really. We, we for, haven't talked about, we're not going to talk about November. I don't think we need to whatsoever. But what I will say is that just looking ahead at what is planned to, I know Elioth and Loki, they're all supposed to be dropped in that month along with the new card. So if I was free to play, like my. Like my mindset would be like, dude, just ignore the hype on this. Like, get Elsa, she's a banger, and then hold out and probably open week five. We'll get to that. But does that make sense? Like, just looking at these, it's like I could give it a three star or two star, but it's like, no, man, I don't think so. I think a lot. We just talked about what did we just talk about? How good those cards were, and if you're yeah. missing any of those, it's like get them, go get them while yeah. you can. You know. I agree. Then we move on to the next week, which is October 23 to 30th. We have uh, Nico. Minaru is it Minaru? I don't even know if I'm saying Minaru. Right. Whatever I say, everything. I, I at this point, me mispronouncing things is is the the meme at this point. Yeah. Then we got Kitty Pride, and then we have Phoenix Force. Is this like what the ninth time we said the word Phoenix Force on this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's like the, the, today's podcast is brought to you by Phoenix Force. Phoenix Force. Yeah, I know. Eh? I'm okay. This is a weird one because Nico. We just finished talking about like Nico is like, well, how do you even evaluate this card? Right. It's mm -hmm. like, it's going to be either end of the spectrum. Not, like it's either going to be complete unmitigated filth yeah. or pretty damn legit. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. It's a 60% win rate card or it's a 15% win rate card. <laughs> Nothing in the middle. So like that's hard to evaluate right off the bat. But then you got Kitty Pride. With what I will say is one of the most beautiful variants in the game. Talk about one of the best spotlight caches they've ever released. That is a Kim variant. It is absolutely beautiful. That's a cover art variant, if my Marvel lore serves me correct. I might be wrong, but someone in the comment section will know. Listen, Kitty, if you don't have Kitty already, this, it's, worth, it's worth getting Kitty. But Phoenix Force and Nico, Kitty Pride, you probably, you probably already have. Cozy? Another Skip Rooney or what? Yeah, so first of all, if you like fun in Marvel Snap, you can give a rip about your rank. This is a fun week, man. You get Phoenix and Nico. Those are like fun-ass cards. Ugh. I would say with this week, this is the most just wait. Like, see how Nico is? If Nico's a legion, if Nico's the next best card, dude, fire away. Get yourself a Kitty Pride and, and, and Nico. But even if, if you're a player that would have Kitty and Phoenix, 
And then Nico's fire, you probably just buy Nico with the, the tokens, maybe. But the, six thousand. If yeah. it was like Instead Legion, risking the roll. If it was Legion, like worthy, yeah. But no, this is a skipper. This is the, but if you like fun, man, go for it. But this is this is a skipper. Even if you have like Elsa and Kitty is going to be so good. I just see there being other packages there, right? That you could probably end yeah. up rolling anyway. And again, talking about weeks coming out. I will say, I love that they have synergy here between Nico, Kitty, and Phoenix. This is like, it all works with Elsa and this week works together. Uh, but yep, sadly, which I know it's like, oh, bummer. But hey, like those that open and destroy that we told you not to and you didn't get to open up in September. This is the same thing, man. I think November's got some good stuff. November's kind of online with this week, too, as far as the new cards go. It's like there's some really cool stuff. And again, we'll talk about that later on. But week five, Alex, is this the... The crown jewel? It is. This is by far the week of the of October, and I don't think it even comes close, right? I mean, maybe week one, if you're free-to-play player, it comes close, but not quite. You've got Werewolf by Night. You've got Silk. You've got Ghost Spider. Now, naturally, the Ghost Spider is going to be the weaker of the bunch, but listen, did Silk not make your top 10 two-cost cards of the week last week? Like, seriously, Silk has been chef's kiss super good. It's okay. Since last week, I played a lot more Silk, which Jean Grey, by the way, because I like, listen, I, I like playing the stuff we talk about. You you yeah. often like implant these thoughts in my head, like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got to do what Cozy's saying, right? So I've been playing some of the Silk, a lot more Silk, a lot more Jean Grey. I'm like, damn, Cozy's right. <laughs> silk is so good. Like, yeah, you can't really reliably, reliably do the math on like where the two five is going to be, but that's a two five that's bouncing around. It's five damn power. It's going to put up points. It's going to help you out eventually. Yeah, there's some cursed gameplay every once in a while, but if you're not getting screwed by Silk, you're getting screwed by the locations or whatever, right? So, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've come around on Silk just in the last seven days, Cozy. So it definitely raises the bar of this particular package. Yeah, this is Elsa Bloodstone week, right? Like, the, all these cards yeah. benefit from Elsa. Maybe even a tease that Glenn saying, hey, check out Ghost Spider. I think she's going to work. I mean, what's cool is the fact that you could play, essentially, Werewolf on the end cap of Elsa's lane, power him up there. Then you play Ghost Spider, and you could pull the... The thing that kind of sucks is you pull the... You pull the werewolf to that lane and then the on reveal wouldn't work with that. So it's kind of anti-synergistic there, but it kind of has some stuff going for it. This is a good week, man. I think we're, uh, the wolf is going to be great. We can both say that. I think it's going to be a really cool card. Silk is great. In Ghost Spider, I was reminded from the toxic gameplay. I would use, obviously, Doc Ock and Ghost Spider is awesome. But even like Spider Woman, like I've done my job. I put a negative four over there or most of the time, and then I pulled her to another lane, and now I have 10 power on that lane. Ghost Spider, if you like five drops, and your deck is designed about around five drops being powerful, she's great, dude. She's awesome to be playing on turn six. So I do like her. I think this is a good week, man, and it's a good week going into the next season. So you could go like week one, week four, and then say for November. is probably like for an average person, a good plan. A Werewolf by Night, I think, is going to be the highest conviction new card. And so, like, in this package, like, I think Ghost Spider, if you're playing move, you need to consider playing Ghost Spider. Silk is meta-relevant. Werewolf is potentially meta-relevant. So, I think this is a strong week to roll on, generally speaking. And, uh, I mean, that actually brings us to a excellent kind of segue to our next point of discussion. It's getting your hands on cards that are not Series 5 anymore. Now, this has been a frustrating thing for a lot of players. And uh, I'm going to be candid. I'm going to be candid. I'm starting to share that frustration with you guys. I don't, I, have, I don't own one card in Marvel Snap. That's Jeff. 
not Jeff, sorry, I own Jeff. I naturally own Jeff. Howard, sorry, going from one, one very cute animal card to another. Howard the Duck is the only card not in my collection. Not that the ones I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend 6,000 tokens on Howard the Duck. It's going to drop. You know what I, so, I told myself that like, I don't know, three months ago? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to drop and it just never did. Series drops have seemingly disappeared, and I think that it is a significant source of frustration for the community. At first, I was apologetic. Now, I'm getting pissed off, too. So it's like, these got to happen eventually, right, Cozy? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, whether it was last week or the week prior to that. But we kind of said, like, they, I think it was last like, where are they? Like, where are what exactly, right? And I think spotlights are fine for what they've been. However, they're getting uglier by the the month, right? Uh, snap players are snap players. They want to complain about everything. There's two kind of states, right? And what I mean, like, this is what I see, right? So great example. I saw Squirrel Girl gets a 1-2 and people are looking at data mine buffs and they're like, Marvel Snap made Squirrel Girl better to try to make them sell packs. First of all, probably, uh, sure. But a 1-2 SQ is still pretty damn irrelevant in the game, right? If they want to sell some zombies, let them, let them for it. But then on the other side of things, the, the whole variant, like I was, like I was opening my series drops and I got like a random, I don't even remember. And I was like, what the hell? This wasn't on anything. It was because I had the high evil one. And I like repeated that whole special variant. The way the planning behind and in, in, in second interview listening, the planning behind spotlights and what they did has gotten uglier and they need to get ahead of it. ASAP. We got to get ahead of it of like, what's the plan in the future? What are the variants in the future? Why are we, why are we repeating cards? Where are the series drops? These all play together in kind of one dance and you're close. You're close, but it, it is, it's, it's like, it's comical not to have some of these cards as a series drop now, other than like, you just don't want to like a great example. And, and I know we're going to talk about like what cards we want to drop and when, but like Darkhawk, like make him series three, right? Like he opens up an archetype. As players progress, new players, if they get Darkhawk, can start building a really cool deck around that. Alex, I think Kitty, honestly, I think Kitty Pride should be a Series 3 drop. She came to everybody for free. Why not just make her a Series 3? That, that, that's my personal thoughts, is these cards that open up the game more, these players that are getting into it. Yeah, so we go from no drops to Kitty Pride from five directly to three. That would be wild. What a change of pace that would be. Um, I, I think that, first of all, you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. Like Kitty Pride is probably one of the cards that should drop, but won't. Like there's three cards in my in my eyes. I'm like, you know what? These are cards that probably should be dropping, and they I don't think they will. They just won't. You have yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Done, Jeff ain't not dropping. dropping. I don't care. Jeff ain't, ain't dropping. dropping. Right? Nope. Yeah. Does Iron Lad drop? No. No. Eh? No. I don't think Iron Lad drops. Nope. So of the of that, so of, like that's the three. So it's Kitty Pride, Iron Lad, and Jeff are the three that I think are like the ones that kind of like get put into a different category. Kitty's probably the most likely to drop because of its prior availability. The fact that it was released to everybody, right? Am I am I wrong? That's why I that's why I kind of felt like like a series three because you, you gave it to everybody for free. Those that are like you never want to do anything against new players coming to your game to yeah. start out, right? But like at that point, it's. It's a one drop that has such a significant advantage that it would be well worth it. And I get there's people listening that are like, well, I bought Kitty Pride for 6K. I, like, that's just how it works, right? To me, I want to look at the drops and I want to look at these new cards that have been out and released and say, which ones really amplify? Not make the archetype sexier, but give you new access, right? So like, for example, X23 is never going to drop. 
but also it, like it makes D destroy sexier per se. It's just, it's tough where to find the balance, but we've got to have some type of a plan. Like for instance, these are the ones that need to be S3, no question. Spider-Ham, I think could, could be argued. Howard, Negasonic, Stegron, Master Mold, go to, all those need to be Series 3. Just get them out of the way. Those don't need to be spotlight cards whatsoever. And then they need to hold, like what, what do they bring to the game? They're complement cards. They're cards that are, I mean, four of those suck. And then two of them are complement cards. Make them S3. There's no reason not to, is my thought at least. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the concern I have is that like we're also framing this from a perspective of power. Like we should not be gating power behind series either. And that's kind of happening with Jeff and Iron Lad, right? And like, listen, they should just drop like anything else. If Jeff is the best card in the game, it shouldn't matter. It should still drop like everyone else is. And we just the fact that we're like, oh, it ain't dropping. I think that's part of the problem, right? Like it, it should eventually drop like anything else. Yeah. Just like X23, like you said in passing, like, and you're right. It's it ain't gonna drop. But it should be dropping like anything else, right? If they do, they need to do one or the other. It prove to us and have like Snow Guard or some of these cards go from five to one or five to one five to three, right? Uh, and have that uh, like new introduction to series drops where it's like kind of just like these, uh, they don't feel right, whatever it is. And I get it. It's not just like power cards, right? You can have other examples. Have it that way, which you've already showed. Like Mobius was a series four card off the bat. That's awesome, right? Like we've already had yeah. Legion was two, I think. Yeah. So like we're having really good cards in series four. Do that or just go back to regular schedule maintenance, baby. And then you have predictability yeah. again. Like one or the other have to happen. I think so. Yeah. I agree 100%. Cool, cool. You're exactly right. Has to be one of the two. And like, if you go to schedule maintenance, we, like, so we, we did the work here. The cards that should have dropped are Ghost Spider should have went from five to four. Hit Monkey should have went from five to four. Hit Monkey has been oh a long God, time, yeah. <laughs> right? Howard the Duck should be five to four. Silk should be five to four and is now in a spotlight cache. And then Nebula. Now that's a big one. Nebula from five to four. I think the Nebula low key is still... Probably one of the higher win rate, most played cards in the game that no one talks about. Like that is in so many decks, so many meta relevant decks, and it's still hanging out at series five. Do you think this is a good conversation? Do you think season pass cards are series droppers or they're perfect for spotlights? Because it's kind of interesting. I don't mind that low, like, like Loki coming as a spotlight in November. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, I, if they made it the season after, I love it as a spotlight. So if Loki was a spotlight this season, I think it's perfect. I think it's it, it, that's how it should kind of work because then you get the card for free without paying for it and you get to open it. I don't know. That's fantastic for free to play. Like if the last week of every season is always last season season pass card or week like that, one, that would be cool, right? Like so, it's basically yeah. like a it's like the two months. You don't even have to do the series drop. Basically, then you add to series five, all to the spotlight cash. That would be a very very clean thing. I like that. I actually like that a lot. I think that's kind of fair to free to play players. I mean. It sucks still, like not having access to like a low key for two months or whatever, depending on where it falls. But yeah, like I, I think that that's much more fair. I think that the spotlight caches are way more um, accessible than tokens. There's no question about it, to some degree, anyways. I, I like that suggestion a lot. To continue the conversation, though, <laughs> you touched on a lot of them, but here are the cards that are overdue for a series four to three drop. And some of these people have forgotten are still hanging out in series four. Darkhawk, you already mentioned, should have gone from four to three already. It's like, this is months now. Null, Null is still a series four card cozy. Can you believe it? 
that Null is still a Series 4 card. It makes no sense. Like that, did you kind of momentarily forget that Null was Season 4 or what? No, it's almost like Null, I put in this category of just like a boss card. You know what I mean? Like, I hate to say, it's almost like I get, for whatever reason, I get that he's a Series 4 card. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, oh yeah, well, like he's kind of like, he's like the end of Destroy, like the final level, you know, like once you've mastered that. But yeah, it's like timing wise, he came out, we're coming on an effing year. He came out in December. Yeah. It's crazy. And then Master Mold Negasonic in stature. Stature would be the one from a time standpoint, which would be the next one to drop. And it's in a spotlight cache. So very interesting cards there. One thing I want to preface here is that like, from my understanding, the series drops aren't gone. It's not that Second Dinner says they're not doing them anymore. It sounds like they're waiting for the right time to reintroduce them. Like I said, but they got to get re- the variants and stuff figured out. They, they, I know. It's, it's just a me- like that all that... Listen, I love the people behind. I love the creators of Snap. Is what I want to say though is like we're due for like a good like quality of life update and or we, and we've talked about this and or like on Ben Broad's announcement stuff like that. There's like a little section to talk about kind of like how Snap's doing. Now we have in, in the anniversary coming up this month, which is awesome. This is a good time to do it. But you know what I mean? Like I feel like we need a little bit of like like let's talk as a community and tell you kind of what our plans are, not just a roadmap, but like, you know, thank you guys. For, what does that make sense? I feel answer like the hard that. questions. You want them to answer the hard questions. Yeah. And what they do like on a regular basis on discord and stuff. And like, they, they kill it at that. It, it, but it's like, they need to talk about, yeah, some of the stuff that's been lingering where like people don't need to listen to the Snapchat to be reminded about the, the first edition, whatever stuff like that. Like just bring it back up instead of it's like, in life, right? When you want to like just keep something buried, but it feels so much better just to open up and talk about it. Instead of not talking about first edition, just call it out. Just talk about it openly, right? Or series drops. These need to be talked about openly. Yeah, I agree. Because I think that the perpetuating silence around series drop might be one of the most frustrating parts. The fact that they're not happening, pissing people off. The fact that nothing's being said about them, pissing people off even more. I think that's kind of what's happening. The fact that it's been this silent treatment around series drop, which is obviously such a huge component of this game. It's a card game that where the collection based system revolves around tokens, series drops and a collection track. And if all three are not firing on all cylinders, something's going to feel bad and whose experience suffers. The player's experience suffers, right? And so I agree hundred percent. You have an opportunity in a couple weeks here with the one year anniversary of Marvel Snap. Answer the tough questions, make some big announcements, and give a little bit back to the community that has been patiently waiting for these series drops. Is I, I, honestly, is it that hard? Is it really that hard to drop Mega Sonic down to to pool three? Like, I, I, am I missing something here? Yeah, I, I think it all comes back. To, I, I I feel like it all comes back to the whole spotlight system, which I can say like. Again, you could look at it across the board even with a sound mind. Like spotlights have been great for the game. They're fantastic. They're yeah. much better, much miles better than what we were dealing with. Just start tweaking it. And don't take forever. That that that's kind of my my process. But man, we'll see what happens. We got a few weeks till the anniversary. Yeah, and as we kind of go on to the closing grace of this podcast, we should have mentioned Stegron too. Steggy got absolutely no love in this conversation. Steggy's the forgotten card 
of Marvel snaps. It has to get dropped eventually. But regardless, Cozy, I think this is an absolutely fantastic conversation. I, I think they have to happen. I think we have to sometimes have more difficult conversations, but ultimately, I hope some positive comes from it. But guys, thank you so much for joining us today. All your support for the content that Cozy and I produce is immensely appreciated. Appreciate you guys checking out the snapshot and insane October spooky season and hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode good luck out there in the new season guys and as always happy snapping